Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, June 24th edition of the Basement Academy. My prayer for these times is that this little gymnasium of the soul, as I call it, would actually be transformational. That something would happen in these times of study, prayer through the Psalms and study, that actually would change your life. We talked a little bit about that, right? Um, growth and change, uh, the, the dangers of, of, of falling into kind of a passive approach to church, just being a consumer. And I recognize that this could be one of those things, just another program that you watch, so to speak, and consume. But my prayer is that the Word of God that we read in the Psalms uh, and in the Scriptures here, Ephesians, uh, these couple weeks, and that some things I say, and I'm never quite sure exactly what it is I might say that might strike you, but trusting that God's Spirit will actually challenge and change you, that you would be a different person, a better person, more Christ-like, more committed in relationships, that growth and development and change would be the result of these times together. So it wouldn't just be a, oh, just kind of watching another show uh, like we do in the course of our day. So anyway, to that end, I give myself a fresh today. Uh, our morning psalm has a little bit of challenge to it, but it's, it's, it's an important psalm. Psalm 144. This is a psalm of David. A little bit of a battle motif here, okay? Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O Lord, what is man that you care for him, the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a fleeting shadow. Part your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Send forth lightning and scatter the enemies. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Reach down your hand from on high. Deliver me and rescue me from the mighty waters from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On the ten-string lyre I will make music to you, to the one who gives victory to kings, who delivers his servant David from the deadly sword. Deliver me and rescue me from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are are deceitful. Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nurtured plants, and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 144 
David facing adversaries, the people of God, the people of Israel facing um, battle, others who wished to eliminate them. This continues to this day, does it not? Anti-Semitism in broad forms, but very specifically in the mid, uh, Middle East, there are nations that they're they sworn to the destruction of Israel. And so thanks be to God, in my opinion, and my understanding, that our nation, the United States, stands with Israel. But battle is part of the story. <clears throat> and so Egypt oppressed uh, Israel 400 years, slaves, Moses leads them out. Um, that the challenge of getting to the promised land, once in the promised land, there's conflict and then Assyria, and then Babylon, <clears throat> and then Rome in the time of, of Jesus. And so the theme of battle, <clears throat> of warfare, what we then pick up, uh, we'll see in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6 of spiritual warfare, <clears throat> these are realities for the people of God. Uh, this is not just a neutral world, and we have just chosen a religious path that you know others can just live as they wish and you know we choose religion uh, and we choose Jesus and we all just you know live and let live it, it just isn't that way that there are sworn adversaries of Jesus Christ there are sworn adversaries of God <clears throat> there is an enemy and the way the enemy traffics often is in lies. And so deliver me and rescue me from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful, right hands symbolizing action, whose actions are deceitful. And so lies and deceit are part of the human experience. Uh, each of us have participated in those ourselves, we have lied, each of us. We have deceived, each of us. I pray that we're putting that kind of life aside, right? <clears throat> but, but this is part of what plagues the human condition. And so, so that kind of sits as a backdrop. Psalm 144 sits as a backdrop to uh, our continued study of Ephesians. So, you know, chapter 4, leaning into some of the practical expressions of these truths that God's plan is to make out of Jew and Gentile the two distinct um, bodies of people, as it were, God's people and all the rest, in Jesus Christ, making one new family. So live into unity uh, and, and so on. And then last <clears throat> couple days, God giving these gifts or Christ giving these gifts and so uh, the ministers, right, the, the apostles, uh, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, teaching so as to equip or strengthen or prepare God's people for works of service, which are practical works of, of, of love and, and service towards, um, towards the body of Christ in particular. And so the body of Christ being built up. So that's, so I teach that your life might be mended, healed, restored in Christ, and that uh, as a result of that, you find more of that calling that God has intended for you, the good works that God has prepared for you to do. And as you engage in that, something happens within the body of Christ. There is strength, there is joy, there is maturity, uh, there is fruitfulness. But now we read. 
then, that is as the body is built up, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. <clears throat> okay, that's Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 16. <clears throat> Jesus Christ, the risen, exalted Christ, has poured forth his spirit. Some of the gifts of the spirit of Jesus Christ are to give these um, individuals who bear the word of God into the world and into the community of faith. As the word of God is taught, <clears throat> there is a transforming reality as the body of Christ, this, this renewed humanity, Jew and Gentile joined together in Christ, laying aside old hostilities, growing uh, in peace and unity and love. <clears throat> as this community of faith is built up, we set aside spiritual immaturity. We will no longer be infants. That's the language. And so we have to confront the reality of spiritual immaturity and spiritual instability, this, this image of being tossed and, and blown about. <clears throat> we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. So you've got the uh, kind of a, a nautical a maritime imagery there, kind of of a boat that's maybe just being cast about that, that has no rudder, has no oars. It's just, it's just, just bouncing in the, in the storm and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. So the, the wind and the waves, okay? A picture of chaos. And often wind and waves are, uh, for the ancients, a, a picture of evil, of darkness, uh, certainly here of, of immaturity and, and instability. <clears throat> and so these are realities. These are Paul isn't just making some little word picture or metaphor as if it were a hypothetical. They are realities. They are cunning and crafty people who deceitfully scheme. Deliver me and rescue me from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. The human family is plagued by error, by falsehood, by those who wish to do harm, who delight in doing harm, who, who delight in deceiving, okay, who, who like to lead people astray. And so we've all experienced that, people, maybe when we're younger, right? <clears throat> and on the playground or in the locker room or in the bathroom or, you know, whispering in the hallway at school, Hey, let's go do this. Let's, you know, join with us and we'll go steal some things from 7-Eleven store and we'll go smoke some, you know, weed or something. You know, there's different things that, that happen, peer group pressure. And, and of course, it's only increased in this era of social media. People who influence, who seek to influence and, and scheme to do so. Okay, obviously this grows up into you know, hackers, right? There are people who hack and trying to get at your personal data. And uh, well, we had that gasoline 
pipeline hack, you know, ransom hacking uh, a few weeks ago. And so <clears throat> we live in a world where people are on the side of truth as we seek to be. And there are those who are committed to falsehood, lies, and error. It, it, it is so. Uh, we're, it, it's a sad reality. We are naive to think otherwise. And so Paul, through his letters, not just the, the letter to the Ephesians here, but Paul in his many letters is often confronting some expression of false teaching. Um, one of the most common teachings of that day is that Jesus really, if he wasn't the son of God come in human flesh, because there was a wind of teaching that said God would never inhabit human flesh. Paul himself thought that way, right? When he was the Pharisee of Pharisees, he thinks that these Christians are blasphemers, saying that Jesus is the incarnate Son of God, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is raised from the dead. And so there have always been attacks on the person of Jesus Christ, who he is, and the work of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. His death on the cross was not as a criminal of the state. Yes, it was that, but it was there by God's set and ordained purpose to accomplish this redemption and reconciliation, okay? And so Judas deceived, right? Judas lied, Judas betrayed. So there's some of that uh, at work even there. And so uh, commonly Paul is coming against that form of teachings known as Gnosticism, that Jesus didn't really come in the human flesh, and so he speaks about that. Another form of teaching that had to be confronted, false teaching that had to be confronted, is that if Jesus is the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, well, then you have to still keep all the law of Moses and also believe in Jesus. And Paul says, no. <laughs> No, the truth is that Christ has superseded. He has made null and void the old covenant for the new covenant. There is a completely new covenantal arrangement that God has with his people that are of Jewish descent and Gentile descent, okay? That's the whole point. The old covenant is gone. So, there are those who are saying, oh, you can follow Jesus, but you have to be circumcised. You, have to, you can follow Jesus, but you have to follow dietary or other ritualistic expressions found in the Mosaic laws. Those were known as the Judaizers, okay? So yeah, yeah, you can believe in Jesus, but you've got to keep doing all this Moses stuff uh, as well. And Paul says, no, <laughs> it is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so... Um, this is what he's getting at. That if we are going to mature, when we mature, one of the signs of our maturity is an ability to discern these deceitful, scheming, false doctrines. That, that when something, we hear something, we have an ability to, to understand that, discern, say, no, I don't actually think that's right because I know God's word teaches this uh, to be true. Now, tomorrow I'm going to lean into some of what I believe are contemporary winds of teaching. And so, yes, there are those who, you know, speak against Jesus today, 
but I think there are other forms of false teaching and deceit and cunning that are plaguing the church. And so I'll, I'll lean into that in our Friday study. So <clears throat> Paul says one of the benefits of, of uh, these word-bearing officers, these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, teaching God's word, God's people embracing, getting engaged in works of service, growing and maturing. One of the benefits is we, we put aside this immaturity and instability and we're able to discern. And he goes, instead, instead of being blown and tossed about, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And then this picture of Christ is the head and then uh, ourselves being joined to him as if we were a body, hands, arms, legs, etc. And so <clears throat> Paul says the, the means by which we grow up, the end of things, that is the goal, the purpose that we seek is maturity in Christ. The means by which we grow up is truth is speaking the truth, the truth of God's word, okay? Truthfulness in, in, in manner and uh, of life. It's interesting, our, our Bible translates, it says, instead speaking the truth in love, but the actual Greek is probably more accurately translated truthing, truthing in love. <laughs> Paul coins a word here. It's not used anywhere else. And so the translators... Say, well, what he meant was truthing in love is the way you, the truth to, to truth is to speak the truth, okay? It's, it's this notion of truth as a living reality, not truth just as something we hear and nod our head to. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I agree with that. It is to hear and then to believe, hold fast, and then live accordingly, and so it's an act of truth is, he's kind of making it into, instead of a, a noun, truth is something that's just out there. It's, it's actually participial, but, but he kind of turns it into kind of an active form, almost a verbal form. Speaking the truth, living the truth, embracing the truth, embodying the truth. Uh, we know from uh, John's gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. And so Jesus is the embodied truth of God. Not only does he speak the words of God, but as he lives, he shows us what truth, a true life looks like. And so he doesn't just say, love your neighbor. He goes and shows us what loving a neighbor looks like. Greeting the leper, touching, healing, going to the outcasts, eating with tax collectors and sinners, um, sitting with the woman at the well. All of these things that were scandalous to the Pharisees, to the Sadducees, to the religious leaders of that day. Because if you're a, uh, if you're a follower of Mosaic traditions, you'll stay away from that kind of people because they're sinners truthing in love is embodied in Jesus Christ. And so we see him truthing, <laughs> full of grace and truth. He embodies what a rescue mission looks like. 
I have come to seek and to save the lost. And so Paul picking up on this theme of embodied truth or lived truth coins this phrase that is translated here, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up unto him who is the head, that is Christ. And so <clears throat> it's this call here again, it's, 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 a, it's an echoing the call that we've seen early of growing up and maturing. We all want that for our children, right? We all, I, I hope we all want that for ourselves too, <laughs> that we never stop growing, we never stop maturing. Sadly, I think there are um, life's responsibilities and burdens and age and infirmity and just fatigue. You know, we just lose some energy. Sometimes we stop being thoughtful and intentional about growth. But during, um, so Sunday morning, you know, in our Ecclesiastes study, um, Coleman Rector, uh, our elder assistant, talked about these four phases of life, right? These four seasons, the adolescence, kind of educational growth and knowledge years, and then you get into the, the career and family years. And so it was this notion of a life that is maturing, okay, that is growing and developing and takes on different responsibilities in different seasons of life as we age. I love that image. Thank you, Coleman. And so it's the idea of really Paul's talking about growing up in character. So we grow up into Christ-like character. And so our attitudes, our words, our affections, our actions more and more come to resemble Jesus Christ. We we live towards others as we observe Jesus living towards others, right? Uh, we think about life and we think about God and we think about the world and we think about the government and we think about the neighbor and we think about the stranger and we think about enemies as we see in scripture how Jesus did. So it's growing into a Christ-like character. It's growing in community, okay? So we will in all things grow up uh, into him who is the head, that is Christ. So that's growing into Christ-likeness. From him, the whole body. So now there's this image of a community. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up. So now we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And so the Christian faith is never about just, again, getting my salvation ticket, sticking it in my pocket. And you know, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I got my salvation ticket. That's all I need. This kind of radical individualism that permeates our American society. I have rights, you know, I, I, I'm an individual. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. That, that is, that is, that, that is antithetical to the gospel, Okay. We pray not my Father who art in heaven, we pray our Father who art in heaven. And so when Jesus calls us to himself, he calls us to his body. He calls us to a community. And so to grow up and mature in Christ-likeness is also then to mature into community. It's about relational maturity. And some of us say, yeah, but I, you know, I've got my set of friends and that's all I need. We're continuing to grow. We continue to reach out and greet others and, and welcome others and know others and allow ourselves to be known. This is what God desires for us. I'm not saying we all do it, but God intends that so that we would grow in a, 
in relational wholeness and in community. And then we would grow in responsibility. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up. So the body builds itself up as each part does its work. Now we're back to that equipping of the saints for the works of service. God has prepared good works for you and me to do. And so you have a responsibility in the body of Christ. You have a responsibility in church. Now, we all share some responsibilities of attending worship faithfully, of giving ourselves in study to these scriptures, of prayer, of witness, of giving, both of time and, and, of, and of treasure, if we could say it that way. There are general responsibilities, but there are specific responsibilities as well. And sadly, as we talked yesterday, sometimes the church um, or church members get a little passive. We get a little into the, cons- the, the kind of the consumer mindset that the church's job is to feed me. I'll, I'll write my check and put my money in, so I'll pay, and then I'll get, it's like, there's the fee, and then I get the service. Kind of like, you know, we, we pay the piano teacher, we pay, you know, for lessons for our children or some other activity. We pay the fee, we get a service in, in response. That's not the church. That's not what tithing is. That, that's not the, the way it works. And so this is why this book of Ephesians is so important. It, it challenges the way we think about things. And so the way we even think about not only the church, as we talked yesterday, but how we think about ourselves in the church. So as I said, and hopefully in a challenging way, gently challenging, don't go to church and then come away going, what did I get out of it today? Rather ask, how did I do today? What did I give? How did I serve? How did I express love towards other neighbors? Did I overhear somebody who was expressing a concern and did I go home and pray for them? Or did I see somebody in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning that was a little lonely or appeared to be new? Did I go out of my way, extend myself to greet them? Did I, did I grow and build the body up in, in love in, in some way? And so I just want to loop back to this one idea that really is kind of um, is contained in this full passage. Jesus gives these word-bearing roles or officers or offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all of them speak God's word. And the speaking of that word, the speaking of truth, does something within the body of Christ. It builds up, it equips, it restores, it strengthens. As the body begins to grow, we're able to discern falsehood and lies, every wind of teaching. So we, uh, as, we, as we truth, as we embrace truth, we, we mature, we're able to discern the lies of the culture and sometimes even in the church culture, right? Um, and then we loop back to this idea we speak the truth in love. That is, we, we truth in love. Truth is the transformational reality. Truth is what changes us. Truth is what uh, makes us grow. Truth is what challenges us, right? Sometimes we hear some hard truths. Sometimes we hear some things and uh, that kind of works against my, my, my own sense and I get a little frustrated. Okay, pay attention to that. <laughs> 
if the preacher, if the teacher, if the Bible study leader, if the Bible itself or some you know program you're listening to on the radio or on the computer or a basement academy challenges something and you feel yourself pushing back on that, that's the place you're supposed to pay attention. Now, it might be that the teacher or the preacher is wrong, okay? So, But you're going to have to confirm that, right? It can't just be, well, I don't like what they're saying. I, I, I want it the way I want it. Now we're staying in infancy because that's what babies do. That's what infants do. Infants kind of stomp around and I want what I want. Mommy, I want this. Daddy, I want that. That's infancy. That's immaturity. Wisdom and maturity hears something and that, that challenges me, right? And so you know when your children are starting to mature, you, you give them a chore, a task, an assignment, and you can tell that they don't want to do it. <laughs> They'd rather do what they want to do. But they say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And they get about the work of the task. And so when you find yourself kind of through something I've said or others have said, kind of pushing back, and I don't like that, I just want to do things my way, that's where you pay attention. That's the infancy that we need to grow out of. Wrestle with the truth. As we speak the truth in love, we grow up. So truth is transformational. Now, tomorrow I'm going to lean into, I'm going to kind of step away from the text itself and try to do some extended application and thinking about what are some winds of doctrine? What are some cunning and crafty and deceitful scheming uh, issues of our own day that I believe inhibit Christian growth? So, Hopefully, you'll come back for at least one more study, okay? Hey, let's close with prayer now, and uh, we'll, we'll pick up tomorrow. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth. And thank you for those who bring your word and truth to us uh, over the years and even now. Father, I pray that anything I may have said in this last 30 minutes that has not been true, that has not been helpful, that has not been worthy of your name, that you would blow that away with the wind of your spirit because that which is good and true and helpful to abide. May that seed go deep into our hearts. May that truth of your word be transformational. May we grow up into him who is the head. Father, grow us in Christ-like character in our relationships in the community. And teach us, O oh Lord, and empower us to live into the responsibilities you have for us. We ask this through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And may Jesus, who is the Christ, come in human flesh, who is the Savior of all and of you and me. <laughs> may that God and Savior bless you with truth that, that builds you up and, and gives you joy in your relationships and changes you now and forever. Amen.